Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey guys, welcome back to the podcast. If you're new here, welcome to the podcast for the very first time. I am so glad that you decided to come in and listen. Um, And so at the very top, I always say this right away. If you're in any type of danger, if you're in domestic violence or you're around someone volatile, please do not risk your life to listen to a podcast, especially this one, um, because we talk about some very um, triggering topics. And so I would, yeah, just don't do that. Um, And the National Domestic Violence Hotline number is 1-800-799-7233. Again, that number is 1-800-799-7233. Um, If you are needing to reach out to an advocate or get some locations on where your nearest shelter is, (laughs) um, your nearest crisis lines or anything like that, you can reach out to them. However, if you get on that line and you're on a wait, if you get on a hold, you can always, if you have internet access, look up domesticshelters.org. They have such wonderful information on their website. And so you can like search where your local shelter is you know search where your local um your nonprofits who deal with domestic violence services is the crisis line numbers and my advice is is to reach out to your local the where you are in your state your local crisis lines and all of those things if you're in, in immediate crisis okay that is my um and your low you know your state hotline numbers as well so that's my recommendation on that excuse me for that I had to clear my throat and so y'all all know that we're just kind of like free will on this podcast and so if we got a call for clear throats we're doing all right because it's just two ladies having a chat over coffee water or whatever we want to do but today's guest is Anne DePrince and I hope I said that right Anne um good and so if I got your permission we'll go ahead and record Absolutely. Cool. Um, and so, but, and also, I, I asked her before the podcast, we're going to do a little moment of silence for the memory of Gabby Petito. And I reached out to her mother and got complete permission to do so. So we'll just take a few seconds and, and do a moment of silence. Okay, um, and so guys, this this marks a year since, <clears throat> excuse me, since Gabby's um, death, um, and so most of you know um, about Gabby's story, and most of you know that um, it's been very controversial for her family, been in the news. Um, her mother is just so adorable, so kind, so loving and giving. And they have a foundation, the Gabby 
Petito Foundation. They have made a comparable, um, you know, a considerable contribution um, to the National Domestic Violence Hotline to help uh, victims and survivors of domestic violence. So go check them out. Um, and yeah, they they did some lot. I was telling you, Anne, that they did a lot. Um, release yesterday and it was so beautiful I seen it online earlier and it was really a- absolutely gorgeous so Anne I want you to kind of like I was going to like tell everyone about your title but you can do that I'll let you go ahead and, and give everyone the poor one on who you are and you know you can kind of introduce yourself Wonderful. Well, Misty, thanks so much for having me today. Um, I am a professor at the University of Denver in the Department of Psychology. I'm a clinical psychologist by training, and I've done research on trauma, particularly violence against women um, here at uh, the University of Denver DU for the last 20 years. Uh, And before that, I was in graduate school at the University of Oregon in the the Northwest, um, also doing research on on trauma and intimate violence. I am also... um, what we what I call a community engaged scholar. I try to work collaboratively with community partners from victim service agencies to system based um, collaborators, and am really a champion and advocate for uh, how universities can partner with communities to try to address pressing public issues such as as intimate violence. So I also play a role at my university around uh, trying to support university community collaboration. Uh, for not only the kind of work that I do, but for my co- with my colleagues across campus. So that's who I am. And I love that. And, you know, you could teach me a lot, I'm pretty sure. Um, so, you know, your book, you know, I want to talk about your book. And can you just kind of give us like, you know, maybe a little bit like a sneak, a sneak peek kind of or a snippet of kind of what you do, like in your book, what do you what do you actually, you know, kind of like gearing toward or, you know, when you're talking about um, ending violence against women and, and what are some of the common causes? Um, Absolutely. Uh, so my book is called Every 90 Seconds. Our Common Cause, Ending Violence Against Women. And the book really uh, uh, addresses the issue that we have for so long treated violence against women as if it's a women's issue or a special interest issue. And what I try to do is help people see that it's each of our issue because violence against women is tangled up with the great public problems of our time. If, if you're somebody who cares about healthcare access or education equity, about immigration reform or criminal legal reform, about economic security, all of these issues are, are tangled up with violence against women. And the book tries to uh, show those connections as a way of saying that we should be we really should be working together to end violence against women, that one of the best ways forward for solving the, the complicated problems of our time is to make sure that we have uh, folks at the table who are also at the very same time trying to address uh, violence against women. 
so that's the the major message of the book. And then I, I, it was an opportunity to really connect the dots on research I've done here in Denver and Colorado with uh, incredible work coming across, coming out from across um, uh, the country, and and to try to connect research with principles and frameworks from um, community organizing to think about how do we collaborate to be more than the sum of our parts together for, for building a different world, a world that none of us has ever known, one without uh, gender-based violence. Right. I love that. Um, I love that y'all, that you are so into research about that. And so my thing is, is when it comes to being a female woman, um, you know, it's like, um, there's so many misperceptions, you know, you've got to look a certain way. If you don't look a certain way, okay, if I walk out of my house right now wearing a short skirt, oh, she asked for it. Mm-hmm. Things like that. Yeah, it's really amazing. As as far as we've come with champions such as yourself and the, the, um, the women's movement since the 50s and 60s and 70s, uh, paying attention to and elevating these issues, um, it's been so long. And on the one hand, much progress. And on the other hand, uh, we still have uh, rape myths and myths about myths about domestic violence that are very much alive and and well today, mm-hmm. where violence against women is seen as you know women's responsibility to avoid being victimized, mm-hmm. rather than our responsibility as communities to ensure that everyone can thrive, to ensure uh, and really recognize that our communities are healthier, more vibrant, more productive um, when. And we're all part of preventing intimate violence. Right. So, so instead of everyone being um, a part of the a part of the problem, they need to be an active part of the solution. You know. And, yeah. Yeah. And so I, I have gotten comments. Uh, you know, just just kind of an example. I had posted something whenever I had first became an advocate for domestic violence and women. And, and I had posted something about, look, if you see something that doesn't look right, then speak up, say something, you know, you don't have to get, you don't have to get in the middle of the situation. However, you can go to the right authorities or go to the right people and maybe say, look, I saw this. I saw this in the Walmart parking lot or, you know, wherever you're at, you know, at the movie theater. Um, And I seen where someone, and and I was kind of like feeling like maybe it was like a, a direct hit toward what I had said. And it said, I'm sorry, I'm not gonna get involved with a wife and a husband just having an argument. And I was like, wow, okay. Okay, that's interesting. So yeah, I, yeah, I think that, that you know, for so long, um, family violence, different forms of family violence, whether it's domestic violence or child abuse, uh, have been treated as really taboo. As what happens inside the family is somehow in a bubble, separate from the rest of our community and connection uh, to people. And so, I think your message of um, that that we are a community, we are watching out for each other is uh, such an incredibly important one. Right. Yeah, definitely. And so, and, and my thing is whenever I saw that, I was like, well, you know, there's such thing as having an argument, but then there's such thing as an actual full blown intimate partner, domestic violence dispute, you know, um, you can kind of like, you know, 
you can pick it. You can understand either, like, you know, some people, maybe they cannot differentiate. I knew what I was going to say, but you knew what I was going to say. Um, they cannot separate which one is which. However, if you're someone like me and you've been a survivor of domestic violence, you know which is which. You can tell. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you can tell someone's being violent, you know. Yeah, and I think you raise such an important point about um, that really has to do with prevention. So mm-hmm. how do we think about educating young people as early as possible about what respect and consent and uh, kindness and good boundaries in relationships look like so that we can recognize um, when when things are coercive or controlling or abusive. Mm-hmm. Um we, we assume we'll just know that somehow automatically, but that's actually, those are actually lessons we have to help um, start, pe- help people to learn uh, as early in life as possible. Right. So you, you are 100% for educating the youth about violence toward women, domestic violence, and all of these things. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. I think we have really good... <clears throat> data at this point from um, well-done research studies showing that talking about um, healthy relationships, how to resolve resolve conflict, how to regulate your emotions during an argument, all of these things helping uh, young people build those skills um, can lead to them uh, being more, uh, more invested in egalitarian relationships having uh attitudes that are intolerant of of um abusing one another you know there's really important changes linked with with prevention and in the my book every 90 seconds i keep coming back to prevention because if we can prevent um, misogyny and domestic violence those are also the first steps in the path to preventing things like gun violence and mass shootings because it's all connected we can prevent intimate partner violence we can um, help people live healthier lives and have fewer costs to our medical systems so that that prevention um, is is such an important piece of the puzzle of course we also have to respond well um, when when intimate violence happens but our our goal should be to prevent it in the first place right right and so um i don't even know how to say it anymore differentiate who knows girl it's been like i said it's been a rough two weeks i can't even say words anymore (laughs) but um no um so what i want to say is is people misperceive like they just look at domestic violence or intimate partner partner violence or all these 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 violent acts is you know they don't think about it being economical like hit right so we have economical downfalls because of all these things hospital hospital bills you know um ambulance rides and and all of these um you know different things that occur during all of these these things that that healthcare gets hit by and and it does affect our communities and the economic growth you know and i i, I really don't think that people actually realize that you know yeah, I, I think you're raising such an important point and that the, the economic issues uh, in, in my research and my read of the literature, they go in both directions in the sense that intimate violence causes that, you know, causes injuries, um, time away from work, absenteeism can affect uh, 
woman's uh, survivor's economic future, her ability to succeed at work, to get to work, um, to apply for a new job. Um, when you look at something like campus sexual assault, another form of intimate violence, it's linked with dropping out of school, which of course can affect uh, a, a woman's economic future. And then you also have the flip that things like economic instability can create more risk for women when they are abused. So for example, in some of our research, we found um, um, in a sample of women where incidents of domestic violence were reported to law enforcement, women who were unemployed at the time that we interviewed them after the incident were more likely to be re-victimized six months later. So we can't be talking about domestic violence without also talking about economic security. How do we ensure that there is paid work for women to go to court or to medical appointments so that their their economic success isn't um, further impacted by domestic violence and its many consequences. Definitely, definitely. I totally agree with that. Um, you know, and, and like you were saying before, you know, it's such a taboo subject. And, you know, a lot of people don't realize that. And for someone like me, myself, you know, you know, I live in Alabama and, you know, and they, of course, they call that the deep south. But, you know, and, and even in my own community, um, it is somewhat still taboo for people. I mean, it's kind of like one of those things like, oh, hush now, we really don't hear that. You know what I mean? Like sweep that under the rug now. That's just, you know dad got mad and broke some windows or you know he broke the coffee table last night and he was you know this and this and that but you know he won't be this way tomorrow let's don't talk about this so it's a non-talkable thing it's still taboo to this day you know we think that we get you know we do we do get somewhere throughout the years but then it's almost like we still have that drawback you know because people don't want to hear about it yeah, and I, I think I, I, you know, I agree that we would like to, to, to turn our attention away from um, abuse, things that, that people do, abusive things that people do. Um, there is, there's a psychiatrist and author, Judith Herman, who wrote uh, this book that really affected my career called um, Trauma and Recovery. And in that book, um, to, to paraphrase her, she, she says something to the effect of um, survivors ask the world of us because by hearing their stories, by paying attention, we have to recognize their their pain and the harm cost and caused and that that's that can be difficult on us as as witnesses observers listeners and all the abuser asks of us is that we turn our attention away and that's so much easier to do but the thing is it costs all of us when we turn our attention away and we're we're i think that's what we're missing is that that piece about ignoring it in the moment has consequences not only for that survivor and their family, um, but for all of us as, in a commu- as a community. And so it is so much more in our self-interest to have the kind of thriving communities we want to live in to kind of override that tendency to turn away in order to pay attention, to take action, to get involved uh, in, in just the ways that you're, you're advocating for. Right, right, right. And so it is it is difficult to advocate in this world um you know i'd love to be able to say well it's easy being an advocate but there's no chance it's not easy um so because you have to 
face so many people and people don't understand the work um, and they don't understand what women actually go through. Um, and so a lack of education on domestic violence and intimate partner violence and all of these things have a lot to do with that. So, you know, go ahead. Yeah, I think that education is such an important piece of the puzzle. And I, uh, one of the great honors of my research career has been uh, how many victim advocates I've gotten to work with and look at the impact that their work has on uh, survivors' Mm -hmm. lives. And it is incredibly difficult and incredibly important work. We've we've done research looking at how community-coordinated responses where for example, victim service agencies do outreach to survivors to make sure to offer services, make sure they know about things that are available to them and see we've seen an impact a year later on that kind of uh, from that kind of, of outreach. Um, and that is one way that people can take action through that kind of professional calling of, of advocacy. And I think, as you alluded to, that's not the path everybody wants to go down. And there are and many other ways to get involved, whether it's by advocating that your local school have healthy relationship uh, classes or by getting involved in your community to raise awareness in other ways about um, domestic violence and its impact, thinking about what kind of resources your local hospital has or doesn't have for uh, people seeking out forensic medical exams after a sexual assault. So there, there's room for each of us um, in, in my view, and that's a, a big part of the message of every 90 seconds is we're not all going to walk in, in each other's shoes. Um, we, we need actually people with different passions and interests raising this issue of, of intimate violence in, in the settings and the, the relationships that, that we each have. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I agree 100%. Um, so, it you know, it, it, it amazes me to see um, people who are not survivors who want to raise awareness or, you know, um, you know, I don't know if you're aware of this or not of something that I did whenever, um, you know, we had a, a lady who lost her life from domestic violence um, in our state. And this man who was a coach at the time, well, he's still a coach, but not the same school, but um, he raised his voice um, and he had actually it went viral and it was a big thing and he called it the man up movement. And so I kind of jumped on board with that and became the co-founder of Man Up Movement. And um, I went to a few high schools and educated um, some of the young men um, in sports about domestic violence and what they can do to make a difference in their community, um, you know, raising their their voices. And so my little granddaughters, they cheerlead um, at the same, one of the, my alma mater where I went to school. And so... I, they were cheering and this and that yesterday and I saw a little girl wearing a Man Up Movement shirt and it was yeah it was from the you know one of the the things that I went to that I educated the young men and I was like hey can I get your photograph and she just posed with a smile and she was so happy to do it and she was like yeah this is my brother's shirt and I was like yeah I figured it was and she said um she said it's my favorite shirt I said, well, thank you, honey. I was like, you know, that just really confirmed for me um, that the work that I've done, you know, it has been noticed. 
and it is going to live on. And um, for whatever reason, it was just powerful to me to see that. Um, oh, yeah. You know, it was such a powerful moment. I mean, I know that it was probably a little cheesy moment, but I was like, you know, for that shirt to still circulate, for these young men to still have these shirts, and, you know, for whatever reason, their sisters are getting them or whatever, you know, I just think that it was just very, you know, just a very special moment, you know. Uh, it sounds so special, and it, it reflects what's possible that wow. um, that we do need to make sure that this movement, that survivors' voices and um, interests and needs and wisdom are, are centered, and then we also need other people like the, the, the man you mentioned who, who started that with you. We need allies and accomplices and um, and so forth because again, it's in all of our interests if we are um, preventing and responding effectively when uh, intimate violence does happen. It, it's it's all of our, we all have an interest in it. So it's a, it's a lovely story, Misty. Good, good. I'm glad. Um, yeah, the organization where um, which I can't speak about where I work, but they do an allies program. Um, in the community like you know and and men do join so and, it, and it's a wonderful program um, always successful always um a great thing always a positive and so we do need allies and i'm so thrilled to see people who want to be a part of that you know movement and so but yeah i agree with you when you were talking about survivors also i know i kind of went off the the path a little bit about that but um you know if if you're a survivor and say you don't want to be a victim's advocate maybe you're still healing from the violence that you went through or domestic violence that you went through you know there's i know that there's organizations online like um beautiful i think it's i want to say beautiful disaster i forgot the name of it but there's there's places where women go online and they can donate uh money to help survivors or victims um you know well i've got a survivor friend and and she was taking care of another survivor who couldn't afford to buy a shirt so just getting her a shirt and then she also you know takes clothing and donates them to shelters or you know she's an active part of it she doesn't necessarily want to be a victim's advocate or a podcaster or anything like what i do and that's fine because it's just not for everyone um you know even if you want to help you know it might not be you know that might not be the path but there's always paths that you can take to help out Absolutely. And it's good news we don't all want to take the same path because sure. that path would be awfully crowded and we would be missing yeah. other things that that uh, a movement to change the world into something we've never known, one without yeah. uh, violence against women. It's it's going to take um, it's going to take all of our diverse interests and, and ways of approaching problems and um, it's it's going to it's going to take all of us. Definitely, definitely. And I have um, a, a best friend who is a blog writer, Laura Mosley, and she's a survivor and she is so very talented and, and her blog is like on Feedspot and it's gotten a lot of recognition and, um, you know, she's on up in the rankings even, you know, and, and uh, she's a brilliant writer. Um, and so, you know, that's her thing. And, you know, she told me, you know, this is my way of release. This is how I, and, but she's so good. And she also did a Gabby Petito, um, uh, memory thing and did a dedication and it's so well written and beautiful. And I hope that 
Nicole um, can actually see that because she, I think she would be so honored, you know, she would be very honored um, that, that someone has actually taken that kind of time and effort to keep her daughter's memory alive. Her daughter's memory is always going to be alive. And Gabby is going to change other women, their lives. Um, her story is going to change their lives and possibly, hopefully, get them in a, um, you know, better situation with domestic violence and get them out of that. Um, and I know that Gabby's story even touched me as a survivor. So, you know, of course it affects me not only as a survivor, but an advocate. Because, you know, as an advocate, you, you, you're on the outside looking in and you've seen all of this unravel, but... Um, you know, I went in it as an advocate side and a survivor side as to, you know, different things, you know, kind of analyzed it. So, you know, it was a hard, hard thing to watch and, and it's still hard for me to watch, but you know, she's an angel and her spirit is so bright. Uh, So, you know, I mean, every time I see a picture of that girl, I mean, her spirit is amazingly just bright. Um, and Megan, um, Megan Montgomery is another one. Um, I, I know her mother really well, and she has a foundation, Megan Montgomery Foundation. She's doing wonderful strides for educating uh, young people as well. Her fund is set up. Her mother has her fund. I mean, you know, the foundation set up, uh, Megan um, Montgomery Fund. So they're actually doing the educational part of it too. And I'm so proud of them for that because that's, you know, what Megan would have wanted. So it's a beautiful thing. It's just a beautiful thing yeah. um, to see that. So, well, and there's just uh, lovely examples of collaboration and bringing each mm-hmm. each of us bringing our talents and our creativity and um, our commitment to a, a world without violence to right. to different different actions. Right. So we are at the end here. If there's any shout outs you want to do, anything you got going on, you want to shout out um, in these last few seconds. I just want to thank you for this opportunity to talk with you and uh, would love for folks to check out every 90 seconds, our common cause ending violence against women as a way to um, think about uh, new ways to talk to family and friends and coworkers about how violence against women connects to the things that, that, that people are passionate about um, so that we can build stronger collaborations for uh, ending intimate violence and, and responding effectively uh, when it does happen. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. And the podcast is ending. Thank you so much, Ann, for coming on. And thank you guys for listening. And I will talk to you on the next podcast. Y'all tune in. Thank you.